talk us through those 80 minutes. No, we prepared to win. We knew that we were here to make history. The whole week, that's what we told ourselves. And you know what? I'm so proud of the boys. Absolutely humbled. And the guys came out. They played with enormous testicles. And we absolutely did it. Fantastic effort. I'm such a happy captain. G'day, good evening, and good morning, and welcome to the Dropped Kickoff for another week. My name is Nick Vasiliev, and I'm back in the chair once again as the host. But it's just me and the other founding member of the Dropped Kickoff this week, and uh, we're kind of doing an impromptu, kind of a very quick, uh, no holes barred, uh, quick fire question podcast for you this week. How are you, Mr. Hartman? You doing all right? Yeah, um, I'm good, thanks, Nick. And uh, hopefully, this format will work. So this week we've just written each other eight questions and we've put them in a randomizer. So we're just going to go yep. one by one and see how we go because <laughs> there's only two well, of us. Yeah, it's the quickest way we can. You and I can both comprehend the <laughs> fact that you know we lost another series, um, even though it was a, an interesting, you know, pretty, you know, pretty entertaining match and entertaining series all up. And but you know, yeah, it's but it's just more. hard. It's just hard when the Wallabies lose and they lose like that. Um, oh, I, God, yeah. I don't know if you saw, but um, you know New Zealand's been going crazy, and someone lowered the New Zealand flag. I don't know where it was. But oh God, outside the outside and, New Zealand rugby, Jesus Christ! Yeah, and uh, I mean, I feel the same. I feel half mast too, bro. I feel I felt half mast all week. So um. yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. No, I, my 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 HQ at works in Adelaide. Um, and you know they they're playing the Springboks down there in late August, and I was thinking, oh yeah, you know I'll get a flight, I'll go down there, I'll say work, I'm coming down, you know, uh, pay for the flight, blah blah blah. But uh, I don't know, I don't I don't know if I want to go down to Adelaide now to watch the the Wallabies play. So uh. oh no, have some, no no no, have some faith. I always <laughs> we always keep the faith. I'm just saying that uh, you know there was a bit of a it turns out old habits die hard. I reckon in the case of uh, of what happens, but you know. Let's let's dive into these questions. You've got the randomizer on. Let's uh, let's talk. Let's talk the Wallabies. Let's talk the July internationals, uh, and let's talk. You know what the hell happened? What's the first question? Okay, uh, the first question we've got is uh, who who underperformed for the Wallabies in this series? Who underperformed? Who shall I take this one or should you? Yeah, yeah, you 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 answer it. Oh, look, it's it's a tough question. I mean, like there were. Points, you know, in every single series, in every single, you know, match where I think every single player stood up at some point, um, except for James O'Connor. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, to be fair, I mean, poor, I mean, poor JSC, he's been coming back from injury for, for ages and he's, his form has been, you know, pretty inconsistent to put it mildly. But the problem is, is that, you know, when he did get the chance to, to perform in test match two, um, he was shocking, like that's to put it mildly. He, his, you know, his kicking was all over the shop. He was a bit all over the place in general play. I mean, it was a bit. I mean, you need no further indication of it than the fact that you know we barely got the chance to see any of him. But what we did see of him, he was just binges, to put it mildly. If I can, <laughs> if I can put it honestly, look, no, no, no reflection on on the man or the or his his talents. He can kick a ball better than I ever will, but uh, you know. In a, in, a, in a series that was this close, uh, those, you know, critical kicks that he missed when we were chasing the game, uh, when we were chasing match two, you know, they were bad. They were very bad. All right, question two. Next question in the random generator. 
All right. So should Rennie be under more pressure in terms of performance? And why isn't he, if that's the case? What are your thoughts, Mr. Hartman? He's, uh, he's got a 39% winning record. Are we, are we, should, we, should he be under pressure? Yeah, it's a weird one. Hey, um, I've been thinking about this. I guess it probably goes back to my comment about being half-masked. I, there, is, there is definitely kind of a feeling out there, a consensus that we're building towards something. I think moving on from uh, checker ball, which I know is another question we've got in the generator, um, that kind of feeling that we're doing the same dumb things over and over again. And then they kind of recently um, have, we actually look smart. So like one key part of that is uh, Dan Keller down the Brumbies, I don't know if Dan McKellar, you know, played for the Brumbies or in Super, but he's kind of like, he's not a big name kind of guy. He just came through and he's done a really, really good job and he's playing to the Brumbies strengths. And I think, you know, just recently we had Chekahar and we had, that, uh, you know, whatever was happening at the Reds after McKenzie and, you know, what we've had Waratahs. Um, so I think that's kind of where a lot of people are coming from. It's just kind of crap and we're not being smart about it. But now we actually kind of, the Wallabies look smarter and, you can kind of see what they have to fix. Um, like there's not many leakages across the the whole game plan. Um, like, so you mentioned James O'Connor, like maybe if you kick those balls, probably would have won that game. If we yeah. it didn't drop the ball at the start of the game last uh, on Saturday, we probably would have won it. So I think that's probably why he's not under pressure that people can see things are looking better, but also that we have come from such a dark place. Um, it's like tiny one percenters, and I think that's even down to results as well. Like, you know, if if we were having a different conversation, if for example, you know, you know, he was if he picked up wins against Argentina in his first year, and instead of two draws, and if we won that second match against France, and you know, if you if you had those one percenters like on the on the on the tour like that, we we went down at the death against Scotland, went down at the death against Wales. It's an execution thing. I think more than anything else, and even this England series, like this, the team is clearly playing more positive rugby. It's just the the whole reason why people are asking this question or having these questions is because of the fact that just there there is clear growth, but there's an execution and delivering wins that you know we got a taste of it against South Africa with the two wins against South Africa of what the team can do when they execute. I reckon it's an execution. Yeah, issue. yeah, and I think people kind of looking kind of a bit long-term. It's about performances, um, not necessarily the results, um, I guess, uh, to put it that way. Um, so anyway, next question. If New Zealand sacked Ian Foster and, I don't know, put in uh, uh, Razor Robertson, would you consider them Rugby World Cup contenders immediately? Me? Yeah. Oh, no. Um but here's, look, okay. I'll, I mean, I'll, I guess the, the kind of, it's like, or is the problems in New Zealand kind of a bit structural? No, short answer, short answer for this one is no, but not for structural issues. I think that there's a couple of things going on here with the All Blacks. Um, and that is that, you know, for many years, um, you know, people, it, it was kind of the case of it was the All Blacks and then Daylight um, in terms of, in terms of how the team was going, there was, you know, there was clear depth and, and uh, growing and, you know, it, they were the envy of the rugby world. Um, we have a situation now where teams are, have, have just caught up and they're adapting. That's what we, that's what we have right here. Um, and I think, you know, on the point of that, I think it's a, that if, you know, for example, 
NZR, NZ, the New Zealand Rugby Union comes out tomorrow and says, yeah, Foster's gone, Razor is in. Razor still has to turn this team around and get them playing to the structure that he wants them to play. And realistically, that is a good, you know, to, to achieve that final fruition is at least a good 12 to 18 months. So it's a tight turnaround, to put it mildly. Mm. Um, and especially, especially considering the team has been, you know, playing foster ball, um, you know, for the last couple, little while. And But, you know, it's, I reckon the issue lies kind of with tactics that the All Blacks are taking in approach to it, but also because, you know, I think the likes of Wales, uh, the, the two biggest teams that have really knocked over the All Blacks are effectively France and Ireland. And both of those teams are probably the, the two stronger, probably combined with South Africa, mm. are the other contenders going into the next World Cup. Um, mm. Like, they're the ones that are really kind of uh, putting a stamp on it at the moment, particularly France. So it's not going to turn around overnight for New Zealand, I don't think. But, I mean, at the same time, this is New Zealand we're talking about. This is the All Blacks we're talking about. Um, they don't stay down for long. I, to, I was just – the it's what we had over the weekend was something that we haven't seen in a very long time, which is you know, if, if, the, if the All Blacks have one bad performance, they then make up for it pretty quick the following week. They turned up and they lost again. Yeah, yeah. They were, mm. And it's a case of, you know, you were beaten by a better team. That's the simple truth of it. Um, mm. I think most Kiwi fans can accept that. But, of course, as we might get to later, there are a lot that don't. Yeah, um, and I, I was just, just one point. I was uh, watching that game on Saturday at the end. Dane Coles was going nuts just trying to win the game for the All Blacks. Um, mm. And you could really see, like, he was sprinting every ball because, you know, there'd be a knock on whatever. And you look at the ref, like, can we tap it now? We've got to go, 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 go. Um, that was really interesting to see. I've never ever seen that from the All Blacks before. I think probably the last time I saw that kind of loss of, uh, I don't know, cohesion or, or structure was when they lost to England in the World Cup semi final and they just lost their marbles. Because um, you're, it's because there's, it's something that, that most that you know maybe them them being the in theirs is kind of something they're not quite used to, which is the fact that they're being shown up, mm. like because there is a big fact. Uh, I think in the All Blacks is that there is often a little bit of apprehension for mm. opposition teams they play the All Blacks is because you are playing the All Blacks. Mm -hmm. um, it's a spooky thing, like they're already in your head before the game even starts, and then they have to, and then they get to do a hack, a hacker against you to roll themselves up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic, you yeah. but you're now coming up against teams who just go, "We're playing New Zealand. This is how we're going to beat you." Yeah, and yeah. I think there's a. I don't want to say there's a. I don't think that there's like a, a the mystique of the All Blacks has disappeared in any way, shape, or form. I don't think so because I mean, you know, they still are one of the best teams in the world. Yeah. Let's not deny it. Um, but the the trick is for them now is how do they respond? Mm -hmm. How do they respond? Um, and considering they have a series upcoming against South Africa, um, I reckon there's a fantastic opportunity for them to uh, to really kind of make a statement, particularly yeah. against the current World Cup champs. Yeah. Um, let's talk the next question here. Um, and this is uh, like branching it out beyond the context of uh, of all uh, to all the series that were played out, you know, in terms of the July internationals and such. Who was the biggest loser across all of the series combined? This is a tough one. What are your thoughts, Mr. Hartman? Who's yeah, uh, yeah. Who's... So, so by all the series, we mean you know Argentina, Scotland, South Africa, Wales, yeah, et like these, yeah, the South Africa, Wales, uh, you know, Japan, France. Um, oh, uh, really tough question. Um, 
Ooh, biggest loser. I would probably say... Um, Could be really mean and say Ian Foster, and uh, say you can't have Ian Foster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, we just wanked on about him. So apart from him, I think it's probably... Probably... Well, I guess Super Rugby, maybe? Um... I think you know if if our, uh, I think probably the biggest loser is the fact that uh, England and Ireland beat uh, Australia and New Zealand away from home. Um, you know, yeah, okay, great wins, yeah, you know, really good history, blah blah blah. But I think from our perspective, that uh, Australia and New Zealand played the most exciting rugby in the world. We got beaten like England played pretty boring rugby. Um, and just with what's going on, especially with the red cards um, being taken away, that 20-minute red card is not a thing and um, this and that, I think it kind of puts more power back on the Northern Hemisphere side. So, and and that's kind of, I don't know, I don't think that will be great for rugby down here especially. So I think in a weird way, I'm going to say, just because all the obvious answers we've already discussed, I'm going to say probably that one, um, that... Uh, yeah, like we've just taken a hit um, and I just think rugby works better. It's kind of like the state of origin when Queensland plays better than New South Wales, it works. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think, yeah, that's probably us. That's the biggest loser of the series is uh, Southern Hemisphere rugby. You mean, um, super rugby. you mean super rugby in general, just like the competition and everything around it? or? Well, yeah, well, the, and it being, you know, Australia, New Zealand. Um, but, yeah, I guess rugby down here in the Antipodes, maybe. <laughs> yeah, well, I wish I could say the uh, – I wish I could say that applied to the Pacific Nations Cup because uh, they – like, that was they, – they clearly have benefited from how good Super Rugby has been. That Fiji side and that Samoa side looked amazing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about um, – yes, Samoa beat Fiji, Samoa. Uh, but uh, I don't know if Fiji had their strongest team, but – I mean, I don't know. Maybe it'll be different in a World Cup when they have a few more weeks together and can build those that cohesion. But I, I got beaten by an Australia A side that had just met each other the week before. Um, you know, if if they were there for another week, they probably would have won the series. But um, yeah. Look, one to watch with interest. Yeah. Um, okay, so next question uh, for you is. Did the Wallabies fall into checker ball this series? Um, however you want to kind of define checker ball, what you think are the biggest aspects of checker ball? Well, you mean checker by checker ball, do we mean like just kind of trying to out-muscle, out-physical, no tactical kicking plan, very one-dimensional rugby? Uh, um, that, that is a definition. <laughs> is that a definition? Well, I, I, the whole series, definitely not, um, especially – not the the first two test matches, um, especially the last twenty minutes of of the third test match, possibly because it was there was a sense that uh, that with whatever, with whatever the tactics the Wallabies were doing in those closing stages of, of test three, there was I don't want to say it was panicking because they were worried that they were going to lose the match, but there was definitely a uh, something disappeared or went out the window of tactics that we know that had the Wallabies had seen that were effective against the England side in the previous two games just clearly didn't materialise or they clearly didn't fall back on that plan. Um, 
in mm. those closing stages. And I think it ultimately cost them the Wallabies the game um, in many instances. But also just the tiny, I don't think this was in, indicative of the Wallabies, uh, you know, the Wallabies <laughs> under Checker, but it was also more just those tiny little mistakes those tiny little one percenters just like accumulated and accumulated and accumulated just the small things here that may have come from the fact that they were panicking a little bit and weren't actually playing to the opposition in front of them. Mm. Um, I think a little bit. So I don't want, I, I say, I think that there, there is in a sense, um, but I don't think that it was the case of the Wallabies it was there was some sort of dumb rugby going on, but more from a panicking perspective. There is something to take away from that, though, and that is that you know, and, and we've we did we have talked we did kind of talk about it a little bit, and that um, with the Rennie question, and that is that there is there is clearly uh, an execution issue mm. that is coming through. The Wallabies aren't aren't playing. There is clearly analysis going on. There is clearly a, a tweak and twisting of the game plan every single week to try and beat the opposition. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like but, England didn't score in the first 20 minutes of the last week's game, for instance. Correct. I think, I think one of the biggest things for me in Checker that was the most kind of damning, like there was the dumb decisions, there was the, you know, why would Bernard Foley always be the one doing the clearance kicks, even though, you know, there were several kickers in the team, et cetera, and so on. That's not happening anymore, and that's great to see. It's also great to see that Rennie clearly knows who his squad is, but also willing to change it. So... There's a few chats in the media and stuff, you know, like the Hodge came in and Hodge would be the backup 10 and and that um, like Pete Sami today, like I think I saw it today that Pete Sami's a backup uh, open side flanker, um, that he kind of knows that and that's great, but also he will change. Um, and also there is a lot of strategic depth. So, for instance, Tom Wright, who uh, we might get into in a second, but, you know, he could play fullback and he kind of had that plan set up. Um I also go back to your point about the the series as well. Is that um, it, it's kind of it should be under uh, it shouldn't be underestimated how many injuries there were and how much that disrupted the team. Um, I don't think England had uh, that many injuries. I think you know Mario Toji um, and there was someone else um, were injured and couldn't play in the team, and we had about seven. I want to know if there's any kind of strength and conditioning experts out there. I did mention this in a pod the other day that uh, I kind of feel, you know, every year they go, oh, the squad isn't fit enough um, when they come to the national side and then they run them ragged and then you end up having so many soft muscle, uh, soft tissue injuries or muscle injuries, which is comes from running people ragged when they haven't been as ragged before, um, you know, and they, you know, they tear their muscles or whatever. So, um so it's the same issue as before you've been like... That's still worrying, yeah. Um, do, do you remember Do you remember when Checker made him run up sand dunes? And they yeah, yeah, publicised yeah. it? Um, and but it's, it's, So I think that's an ongoing issue. And we, we, we did have a lot of injuries. Like Jed Holloway pulled out, uh, Quade Cooper pulled out. For, for, I think, you know, similar reasons in, in terms of injuries. But, um, yeah, I'm just... That's worrying. Um, but anyway... Um, I do have yeah, one I, last thing. I agree thing. with everything else you said. Yeah, yeah. I do have one last thing to add, and that is the question around um, the question around. There's a lot happening to. There's a lot happening to uh, the. Um, there's a lot happening with the, a lot of talk around the captaincy. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah. And do we? Th- and I mean, I think it's it's fair we talk about this quickly now. And that mm. is, do we think that 
that Hooper, with some of the approaches that he has taken with captaincy, that he may have, you know, made a situation worse or made a rash decision as captain. I mean, what do we think? Do we think that, you know, maybe it might work, maybe Hooper's talents might be better served if he, he just focuses on being that mongrel that, that hangs around at the ruck and is relieved of the of the captaincy responsibility as well and we give it to someone else? Um, I don't know. Maybe that it could also play a factor in it. But then again, I also, I also ask the question, who stands up in his place? Um, uh, I think that, that question's pretty easy. There's probably a few people around who could be captain. Um, but I think... Yeah, I have I've seen this as well. Um, he does embody that kind of checker ball. You know, he's not that traditional technical kind of player. He is just a Duracell bunny, um, and he just goes, 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 never stops. Um, he doesn't like you know doesn't fit the mold of a traditional open side flanker, but he is a freak in the best sense of the word. Um, uh, and he should always play. And he's you know he's so underappreciated. I think. Um, but yeah, I, I can kind of see it. Um, but how much it is Hooper versus you know Rennie could just sit him down and yeah, I think I think that go, like, you know, I think hey, it's only that. take the points yeah. more. Um, in terms, it's an of, aspect of a larger whole, I reckon. That's yeah, in terms of possible captains, you know, there's a couple. Um, you know, Nick White um, is one. Uh, you know, uh, Alan Alatoa is yeah. another. You know, there's there's a couple of options around the park that could be captain. Um, but I, I'm not. I'm really just not sure if it's an effect. I think it's kind of like you know people just trying to see patterns where there are none. Mm, potentially, yeah, yeah. Um, let's move on to the next question, um, which in in this generator that we got going, and that is overperformer of the Wallabies. Uh, uh, yeah, I already, yeah, I already know who you're going to go with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so by overperformer, I mean I guess that we just mean you know who played the best. Mm. Um, uh, I, yeah, so Tom Wright, obviously, I think he was just another wi- uh, another winger, but he made some really great calls, played really well, even when he had to go to fullback. I don't know if he went fullback for part of the game or th- for the rest of the game, but I thought he really stood up. Um, I mean, Marika got man of the series, uh, maybe because I watched most of these on a Saturday night and c- couldn't really tell, but... I, I, I'm not sure I'd put him in that bracket, um, but I guess, you know, I'm wrong because you won Man of the Series. Uh, any other big uh, people stepped up? Um, this is a big one for me. Oh, Caden, Caden Neville. I thought our locks, especially what happened there. I thought Matt Phillip, um, I think we talked about this, you know, last week, whatever. I thought he had amazing game, um, amazing games. Caden um, Neville, especially. Uh, Dave Peretsky, I thought, you know, he's kind of, you know, he's just floating about overseas, came back, and he's our best hooker. Um, but, you know, he, he's useful around the park, and he can throw straight. Um, I love that you've, like, named nearly half the squad. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. but, I mean, you know, I thought they all played really well. Um, yeah. But, honestly, yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's probably about it. But the two yeah. big standards. You know, in terms of, sorry, I'm surprised they played so well, I should say. Yeah. And but the, the two big, yeah, yeah, I get you. I get you. The two big standouts for me were White, because I thought White had a, had a pretty decent series as well. He's, he's kicking. I mean, we, we often have, you know, taken pot shots. At, at you, you get Nick White, you're guaranteed the box kick. Um, already mm. sort of chat about that. But I actually think his kicking in general was much better this series. Um, yeah, and yeah. 
I could I could see True. why now what what Rennie was trying to achieve by having him as the starting fly half, um, and I thought he really he really impressed. He he certainly proved himself to be a really handy leader around the park. The only thing I can say critical of the man is that mo, um, mm. pretty much, which was all over the place. And then it. you already touched on him, but Parecki, like yeah. the it, it was like he was always there. He's clearly at the moment, from what I'm seeing, the first choice, um, our first choice for um for hooker. He just he just looked like he was always there, and it's interesting that you know I was also impressed that his combination with Fyinga Fyinga coming off the bench um, was also you know pretty strong as well. So mm. Mm. yeah, it's it's an interesting one, um, and, and great to have some competition in that space. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so next question for you, Nick. Um, Why do so, I get this one? <laughs> uh, should we take pleasure in New Zealand's struggle, like, you know, them losing against Ireland, or are we in the same boat now, and should we be commiserating with them? Well, we shouldn't be taking pleasure. I will say that, like, definitely. I think that's a, that's a bit of a, a stretch to, to, you know, even though they have dealt pain on us for the last, you know, 20 years when it comes to Bledisloe's, um, at the end of the day, we are in a partnership with them and we've been in a partnership with them for a while. And there is, you know, there is an element of, you know, of camaraderie against when, when it comes to Wallabies, All Blacks and the rest of the world. And, and I, I think the vast majority from, from, you know, from my own experience of people I've seen on, you know, on social media, but also mates I've spoken to, you know, around at my local club and stuff like that, the vast majority of Kiwi fans and Kiwi supporters have happily admitted that they were second best in that series. Ireland played better and wanted it more. It is interesting, though, watching the reaction play out in, in the papers um, and seeing that, you know, the some of the stuff that the media have also said, but also the fact that the All Blacks media team, you know, are clearly weary, wary of the media pile-on. Um, that they that they're expecting the new the New Zealand media to to do because I mean there's been it's been notably quiet on their social media for the last few days and there's been talk of cancellations of media press stuff and amidst all the discussion around you know around Ian Foster and what's going to happen with him um, you know it's I think the the way that the, their media team going uh, staying quiet isn't necessarily the right way to go about it like they should you know open up and be honest and say, look, here's the issues that we had and uh, um, this is what we're going to do. You've got to explain it. what you mean by the media team going quiet. I mean, like, the basically there was a, you know, I think that following the, the, the match, the, you know, Foster and, and the team and, you know, the captain sat down with the media and there was basically talk the whole time about, are you, so are you confident in your position? Are you confident in this? And then the following day, the All, All Blacks media team essentially cancelled their, their date with the press. Yeah, um, and, and the head of NZRU said we're going to have a, a review into the series. And that mm. was this is on Friday, or over the weekend, or on Monday or something. And then uh, New Zealand Rugby, who usually are posting every day, you know, the, the clean sheds. Um, they've been silent, dead silent. Have been, yeah, haven't posted anything for a week. So it's, it's kind of funny that they really just, you know, you Look, think it that it's a well-oiled machine, but... Look, it's. It, I mean, considering all the stuff that's going on over there, like, I think they they shouldn't be just totally silent. I think that's a bad. I think that is is a bad look. They should still, you know. Yeah, it I just it, 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 it draws it more attention to the issue. 
Correct. And Which I also is the opposite it, of what they're trying yeah, to do. Exactly. And I also find it fascinating, like they have lost in the greater scheme of things, they've lost two games. They lost two <laughs> matches. Yeah. Like I could dream of that. Like, remember the <laughs> yeah. days when we lost, like, you know, four or five on the trot, which, you know, which wasn't that long ago. And, mm. and uh, but they've lost two games. I think it goes to, tells you two things. One, how good New Zealand have had it for so long. But mm. also, two, that there is, I don't know what to say, like, an uncomfortableness, but, like, any sort of, of learning or failure here is viewed in automatic, automatically in a negative way. Mm. Um because they've had it so good for so long. But I think that's not necessarily... And also, there's not much else doing in New Zealand. Well, yeah, there is that. I like, mean, of course, you've got a bustling... Like being good at rugby is, Middle Earth, you know, but, what else do they get? Yeah. But I think but I think they shouldn't. They, there should be, like, a view that... Because we're heading into a time right now, I think. We, we were talking about it last week, where we're, where we're seeing the scales of world rugby evening out between north and south. No further indication than the fact that, you know, the Northern Hemisphere took two tours and the Southern Hemisphere took two tours. Um, and, you know, it's it, they, I think many people in New Zealand are just struggling to come to terms with the fact that the days of New Zealand and then daylight in world rugby are over. Mm. That's the truth of it. Everyone, like, the, the Northern Hemisphere is caught up. South Africa is caught up. Yeah. And I just worry that that fans in New Zealand and the media in New Zealand will turn on this team as quickly as possible just because they're not winning as much uh, as they um, to. Yeah, well, you know, what was always going to happen? Would there be a regression to the mean? So they've been yeah. playing so well, winning, you know, 95% of the games. It was going to collapse at one point. And New Zealand are really an outlier. They don't have many people. Uh, they're not an economic powerhouse, say, unlike England or France. Um, or they're not located next to an economic powerhouse, let's say like Scotland or Wales, that they can kind of feed off. And they were always out here on the outer. They're attached to Australia, whose rugby potential is still untapped because, you know, 75, uh, 80% of the nation doesn't give it the crap about Australian rugby. Um, and I think they really played, they were doing really well. They're doing, playing out of their skin, obviously. And I think NZRU didn't really play their cards right. What they really should have done is help to bring up Australia so they could continue to feed because that's what they need. It's just money coming in. They've got to keep the interest up. Right now, New Zealand rugby is saturated. That's probably why we see a bit of growth of rugby league in New Zealand because it's like, you know, this is a bit different. This is a bit new. Um, and it's bringing new excitement. That with rugby, though. Couldn't you, couldn't you argue that they've been trying to do that? by Because you, you see all of the talk here, and you know, there's been increasing talk of Australia going it alone and all the, the comments that Rugby Australia have been making you know, towards you know, New, Zealand, New, New Zealand Rugby Union being mm. a part. Um, but yet New Zealand Rugby have, have come out and said, look, we want to, we want to remain you know, a partner with you know, Rugby Australia, with Super Rugby, and we want the teams to continue to play each other. Um, yeah, but you know, because that's they they know that, and their only option is to go with new to Japan. And what do they bring into Japan? It's just playing stocks. If mm. you Australia joining Japan, and remember when you know the Sun Wolves are in it, a lot of Japanese companies were sponsoring Australia it's because well, it's you know Australia. Not only are there great reasons for electronics companies to have good relationships with Australian uh, businesses, you know that is we've got all the iron ore for example, um, and other minerals that New Zealand doesn't have. Um, we just present a different kind of relationship to Japan that New Zealand, if they were to join, would only have their playing stocks, but we've got like a proper 
fat economy that you want to be part of. So, uh, yeah, like I just think they've realised that now, and they really, I, I mean, like I've said for a couple a couple of years now, been saying for ages that they need to relook at Super Rugby and just turn it into a kind of club format where you know New Zealanders can play for the Reds, Australians can play for the Hurricanes, and share that knowledge around and kind of yeah level the playing field, but. Um, New Zealand will always be good at rugby because that is their thing in the same way that, I don't know, good food and good bread is the French thing to do. It's playing rugby is the New Zealand thing to do. So, And having a ridiculously beautiful country. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, if you're and looking... Fergburger in que- and Fergburger in Queenstown. That shit is... is <laughs> but yeah, but if I can look at the New Zealand economy, like, that's it. It's tourism and I think it's... I think wine is like three percent of their exports. It's pretty. Their wine is pretty good. Um, I just realised you and I haven't got wine today. Shit. No, I, I got a coffee. Yeah. No, I was having a Grenache actually last night. Uh, Darrenberg Grenache. Uh, what one was it? I got to see. I don't know if it was entry level or not. It was the mm. custodian. I don't know if that's entry level. Probably was, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nice. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. Um, so Wallaby's gone to go to tour Argentina. If you don't know, rugby championship's a bit weird this year, whereas, uh, you know, usually it's you play Argentina here and then away and New Zealand here and then away and whatever, South Africa. But this year it's going to be they'll go to one country and play both games away and then another country will come here and play both games um, at home in Australia and then we'll play home and away with uh, another country. So for Australia it's... South Africa's coming over for two. We're going to Argentina for two. And then we're playing New Zealand home and away. And I think, you know, uh, I, I think probably Argentina's probably going to come over to New Zealand to play two, et cetera, and so on. Um, yeah. And, of course, the All Blacks going over to South Africa to play two, which will be fun. Um, and also might, unfortunately, be catching the plane home by himself after that tour. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but uh, or maybe after the first game. Um but anyway, so the Wallabies have named the squad to Argentina. Um, I don't think anyone's been dropped. I think it's all the changes have come from injury and the fact that Crevier and Noah, Mark Noah, Nazi, Tazi, has, they've gone over to play in the sevens in the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham. Um, Nick, have you had a chance to look at the squad? Um, and is there anything that kind of stands out to you? Um, Matt Gibbon? The prop from the Rebels has come in as a, yeah. a, a reserve prop, and Lala kaifaketti has been brought in. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, any big changes for you? Oh, it's of nice course, to see. Uh, Rory Arnold's been brought in. Rory Arnold's been brought in, which is nice. It's sad to see no Isaac Rodder. I think he must he must still be injured by the sounds. If the, oh, that's on the, the only the naughty chair on the naughty nah, chair. Nah. What would he have done to get in the naughty chair? I don't know. Like, uh, well, you know, he bailed out of the Reds. It's pretty late. Well, either way, look, I, I would be surprised considering I'd be surprised considering how, how strong he is in, in the lock position. Look, it's uh, it's nice to see there's lots of good blood coming in here. Um, mm-hmm. Nice to see Simone finally get oh, a yeah, yeah. up as well. Um, yeah. I think th- this will be a good test of our. Um, I think that as much as the ser- as the series we just had was a good test of our of our depth. Um, this is even more so uh, because you've got, I mean, you do have a, the kind of the established pairing. I think when you look, for example, in the centres, it's clearly going to be Ikitao and Paisami um, that will be, you know, the, the leading, you know, people in the centres. But having someone yeah. like Simone on the back who is 
you know, shown really good potential at the Brumbies and has been due for the call-up for a long time. He's really good. Gibbon, um, again, it's it's he's been really showing some great stuff down at the Rebels. Um, it's nice to see nice to see him get the uh, get the call-up as yeah. well. Um, yeah, it's. To oh, be honest, Reece Hodges. So everyone's saying the score. So Reese Hodges is back in as well. Mm. Um, well, we all know that's probably you know injury related, but let's also look at yeah. the, at the at the at the, situ- at the the fact that I mean Pataya's in there as well. I don't see Hodge going into that starting side. I see Pataya, assuming he's all good and all good from injury, will likely start in that fullback uh, yeah. position. Um, you know, I mean Banks is out for the season, so you'd assume it would be okay. it would be Pataya starting there. And additionally, I think is Kellaway is not in either. So no, no, no. Um, so you assume... I think they're that, saying he won't be back. He said I won't be back until South Africa. Yeah. Well, you'd assume then that that it would be Pattaya starting in that in that te- in that fifteen position. Yeah. And maybe Hodge would be, you know, pro- probably onto the bench equivalent. Yeah. Um, or James yeah. O'Connor as well. James O'Connor's in the squad, so. Yeah, that's true. It is. I mean, I mean, look, I think James O'Connor needs to. Has I'm surprised that he he came in. I mean, obviously he's there for the experience, and of course he is an excellent player. But, uh, you know, he does need a bit of work to do to get back up to that international level and that execution level as well, mm. um, particularly around his kicking. Um, fair play. Like, full credit to him, though. I mean, he's, he's been coming back from injury. And when he, was, when, he, when he was at the Reds earlier this year, he was looking very, very good. So I think that's a lot of the Reds. I think probably the only Reds player that played well or uh, as well as you'd expect them to in the series, to be honest, would Tate and he only played probably half an hour I think uh, yes um I don't think any of the Reds really played well I remember uh, that the pod um a couple weeks ago when Nathan was saying that um Taniella was saying oh I feel really good now um I've had that break um and all the murmurs coming out of the Reds yeah I'm sorry Reds fans but um yeah I don't know I just have this feeling that maybe Reds ain't the place to be at the moment but um well, look, too. I mean, Tupo, yeah. Tupo was a little slow out of the gate. He did, he did bring some a bit more, you know, control to the scrum. But in general play, he clearly wasn't at the you know, level of aggression that he was no. last year against South Africa. No, no, um, no, no. It, but look, here's the thing. I reckon he he'll be chomping at the bit to really get at uh, this Argentinian pack. Yeah, uh, you hope he is. Particularly in general play, because I reckon he's got got the skill set to. He might have the the number on them when it comes to actual skill set in general play. Um, and he's more than up for the challenge of of, of the of the contest at set piece. So, um, yeah. I reckon reckon you'll see an improved performance from him in this series. Um, yeah, and it'll be interesting if um, what's his name, Harry Wilson, continues at six, or they're going to put um, Rob Liotta back. Um, I don't think he played too well either in that game, but I mean that's not really his fault. Um, speaking of Harry Wilson, I think probably Oda had a great series either, but um, I mean it's hard to expect a, a guy who's been playing eight all year to hasn't played for a couple of weeks to stick him back and uh, in the play, in the position he doesn't play to play well, um, especially a, a young dude. He's still only twenty two. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens with the centers. Um, I forgot to mention, also, there's also Jock Campbell. I forgot to mention there's Jock Campbell. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd also be in the, in the fullback position as well. Yeah. Um, um, probably. Yeah, that, so, 
So I, I kind of feel now that, yeah, I wish they kind of brought him back in, but he is young again. I don't, yeah, he's uncapped. Um, but yeah, well, hopefully he gets some game time. Hopefully James O'Connor gets some game time to reset and forget about what happened in game two. Um, I also kind of, it'd be interesting to see them play without Hooper in one game, or at least for a part of a game. Um, just to see what happens. Do you reckon change him from captain? Turn you know, you know, throw it to someone like White, or uh, or James Slipper. Well, you you'd imagine, right? If he was, if you just played it, let, let's see how the team plays without Hooper, right? So you take him off after fifty minutes. Um, well, you're not going to get that experiment with Nick White being captain. Um, if he plays it, you know, because Nick White would probably not stay on for longer. If you know what I mean, like if he starts, you'd be taken off after 10, 10 minutes after Hooper. Yeah, that's true. Um, so it wouldn't be the greatest experiment. Um, Cooper, like what? Because what happens if Quade Cooper's back? Oh, yeah, and Quade Cooper's back. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I thought, well, let's see. Oh, you know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not knowledgeable I think he enough. Did all right. I, I thought I, he did all right. I think, I think he did all right. Like, considering, like, you know, he was always, he was, he was probably going into that series planning to be the second, you know, the second choice um the second choice, uh, you know, fly half that comes on and finishes off the games properly. Because Cooper, I think, is still in terms of just composure and game management is a step ahead of him right now. Um, yeah. That's just yeah. an experience thing. Um, well, considering considering how to, he had to jump into that role straight away, I think he showed fantastic growth. Yeah, totally. I'd love to see Cooper play, you know, um, like start in Argentina. Um because I just want to see him and see how he's going. I, I'm still kind of, the jury's kind of out. He, he played really well against South Africa, but um, yeah, just need to just need to see him back that up. Uh, you know, was it a one-off or not? Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, exciting, exciting to have some, you know, more Sunday morning rugby soon, so. <laughs> yeah, and uh, particularly uh, with the, you know, the fact that we'll be up against Checker. Checker will be back. Yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> Which is yeah. why I'm like, God, swear to God, you got please win this match, this series, boys, please. <laughs> we don't want to say that we've, you know, with the growth that we've had under Rennie, that we lose to Checker. Yeah, and also I think it's harsh on us, but we expect to beat Argentina. But you know, Checker always is also best when he just starts coaching a team. So. I don't think we can really, you know, have to be wary of this game. We do. And, I mean, the fact that they've also come off a, you know, a series win to Scotland, um, mm. too. I mean, it's the fans will be, the fans in New Zealand, in Argentina will be buzzing off that because it's the first time I think they've beat, won a series against Scotland since, like, 2008 or something like that. Yeah. And, I mean, also great for Argentina that they got five games in a row at home. Finally. Thank God, yeah. Like, Argentina yeah. fans rejoice. You can you can finally have, like, a... a, 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 a guaranteed proper season at home thank god yeah yeah, yeah so it'll be i reckon it'll be tough to it'll be a tough it'll be a much tougher game than you expect particularly because uh you know checker will have a you know he'll have he'll be coming in with a particular goal and a particular frame of mind and argentina will you know likely be high on that checker juice yeah um, he'll be running <laughs> through walls for him <laughs> yeah um yeah absolutely Okay, well, I think that's all. Uh, I've gone a bit over time, as always, but that's fine. Um, thanks, thanks for listening. Um, if you've got any more, any questions, feel free to drop them in. We'll probably be back around first week before uh, 
Argentina, the Argentina game, or maybe after. Let's see how we go. Well, um, we might, we're looking at trying to do another interview here and there or somewhere, but, you know, yeah. with, a, with a sneaky guest or two. But if not, you'll see us before, uh, before yeah. the start of the rugby championship. And maybe, I don't know, I don't know if Nathan's gone over, but I uh, might have a... Argentinian correspondent on Nathan, our second one, of course, after Paul. But uh, he'll, need yeah. to, he'll need to say he'll need to try some of the wine. Yeah, the, asa- the asado, empanada. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> us. Yeah. Um. Cool. Anyway, thanks for joining. Thanks for listening. Um. Thanks for joining, Nick. Um. <laughs> time to go back to work. <laughs> go back to work. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Gotcha. Well, what did go wrong? I'll have to look look and think about it. Think about it deeply, very deeply. Did it hinge in the end on a bit of genius from Sirly Bombo? Bit of genius, bit of magic. Sirly Bombo, very interesting, very good, yeah. Very good. Three cheers for Sirly Bombo, very good, very good. <laughs>